0: We've been looking at David over these past weeks and we've been looking at how God had anointed him and had promised him that one day he would be on the throne. And last week we particularly uh, looked at Jonathan and how Jonathan had watched David go out and fight the giant. And something in Jonathan's heart was knit together, a, a love was ignited because he saw in David, he saw that David was God's man. And he saw that God had chosen David to be the next king of Israel. And that love that was ignited in Jonathan's heart last week, we saw it was never going to go out. His heart was knit with Jonathan's. And we've been looking at how that's what happens when we, when we understand that Jesus went out and fought the giant for us. He is really defeated completely the enemy of our souls. And when we get a glimpse of Jesus and see that that's what he has done for us, something is knit in our souls as we receive him as our saviour, there's a love that's ignited that's never going to go out. And just as Jonathan took off his his belt and his bow and his sword and all the rest of it and handed everything over to David, which was like an emblem, it was like a symbolic of handing him over the kingdom, when he took off his robe, it was like handing the, the kingdom over to David. That's exactly what we want to do when we realise how much God loved us and that Jesus has paid the price for us. We want to give him our everything. It's interesting that a few chapters back in First Samuel chapter 15, when, whenever Saul was rebelling against God, and God was displeased with him and told him that he was that that just as Saul had rejected God, that God was going to reject him. It's interesting that the, the, the robe that, that Saul was wearing was torn. But it's very interesting that Jonathan didn't have to have his robe torn off him. He took his robe off him. And so we see the difference between this Saul, who was turning away from God, and who in fact was becoming more and more and more like um, I hate to say this, but he was becoming more like the, 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 the evil one, the enemy. He was beginning to reflect the works of darkness instead of the works of light and of love. And so as we start today, we're going to look at Saul and we're going to see how he was showing forth the enemy's character and the tactics. He gives us a little insight to the kind of tactics that Satan uses in your life. But at the same time, we see that God's love was all over David and that God's love is faithful. And in fact, our title today is God's love overcomes everything. And that today that you would be encouraged that whatever situation you're in, whatever you're going through right now, that God's love will sustain you and take you through. And he is the God who answers prayer and he's the God who stands with us and goes through the dark times with us. So we're going to look from 1 Samuel 18 and I tell you what, I have packed some stuff into this this week. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm giving you a packed lunch for the next two weeks. (laughs) I was thinking last night, Maureen, slow down, slow down, take that out and I thought, no, just keep putting it in. (laughs) So I tell you, it is jam packed and I'm going to whiz through some of this stuff, but I believe God wants to really encourage us. We're not going to be here next week, I've given you two weeks in one. Double dose. We were going round praying for some of the ladies this morning, and just as I was putting my hand on someone to pray, I had this picture. You know the way you go to get your flu jab? <laughs> I just had this picture that God wants to give us a jab of joy for the winter. And, uh, and, and you know, that's what I'm trusting will happen this morning. It'll be just like you'll just get your inoculation. You'll just get the jab that will just give you all the energy that you need for the next few weeks. So let's look at First Samuel chapter 18. I'm I'm going to try and read bits and pieces, but there's an awful lot to read because we're going to go right down from from 1 Samuel 18, verse 9, and we're going to go right through the rest of that chapter and all of chapter 19. So there's quite a lot to read, but honestly, I believe that there's an awful lot in this that God wants to encourage us with. The first thing is that Saul shows us some of the enemy's tactics. Remember that Saul had rebelled against God. The Bible says, in fact, it says about about Saul in 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And where God said to Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And of course, he rebelled against God. And in that way, he actually reminds us of another person, the evil one who also rebelled against God. And you can look this up yourself I've given you enough references here for you to look over this over the next few weeks and just allow the word of God to soak into your heart. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 tell us about how Satan rebelled against God because he was full of pride and he wanted to be greater than God. He said, I will be like the most high. And in fact, in Ezekiel, it says that that his heart was lifted up and actually God speaks over him, over Satan and says, you have become a horror. And so we see that that everything about our enemy, everything about Satan, everything that is satanic is evil and bad. Jesus said he came to kill and to steal and to destroy. Jesus also said that, that Satan was a murderer from the beginning and that he was the father of lies. And if you read through the book of Genesis, you will see the serpent, the old serpent, Satan himself, there deceiving manipulating and attempting to control right from the very beginning. Revelation tells us one of his names is the accuser. His name actually means hate and Saul like Satan displayed hatred and fear. You'll notice that so much as we read through the story of Saul that he was hating David but it wasn't, it wasn't helping him. It was causing Saul to experience more fear. And you know, the more we hate people, the more we're going to feel fearful. That's why God says we must forgive, we must release, we must bless instead of cursing. Because if we behave the way the enemy behaves and we become full of hatred, the result will be fear. And Satan deals in fear instead of faith. We need to, we need to live by faith and not by fear. And as we read through this, we're going to see that Saul was eyeing David and afraid of him and trying to pin him to the wall. Let's just look back. I know we looked at some of these verses last week, but let's just look very quickly from verse nine. This was after Saul, after David had won so many victories. It says, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed David from his presence and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that that David behaved very wisely, he was afraid of David. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. Isn't it interesting that Saul, who was so full of hatred, isn't it interesting that he gave a military commission, if you like, he sent he sent David out to do a job of work, hoping he would be killed by the Philistines, and all the time God was turning everything around for favour. I, I love the fact that that David didn't have to be afraid. If you, read, if you read the Psalms that David wrote, you'll see so often he said, the Lord is the light of my life, of whom shall I fear? He was a... David from an early age seemed to grasp the fact that God was with him and that God loved him. Sam, David also wrote Psalm 124 and he, where it says, "If the Lord had not been sorry, if it had not been that the Lord was on our side, we would have been the evil would have swallowed us up alive. David knew from an early age that because the Lord was on his side, that he had everything he needed, and he wasn't afraid you see you do not have to suffer fear you do not have to be afraid God wants you to be without fear second Timothy 1 and 7 says that God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind that's safe thinking God wants you to know that you do not have to be afraid because God is with you. And when he is with you, he will take you through whatever you're going through. And God wants you to experience his power and his love because perfect love casts out fear. And when you know and receive the love that he wants to pour in you, even this morning, that God wants to go round every one of you, you woman, and he wants to pour his love, right? If you had a funnel on the top of your head, he would just want to go round and top all of you with his love. He wants to pour his love over you because perfect love casts out fear. And God is faithful. And, you know, even when it feels like the enemy has got us into a trap or got us into the wrong position, God can make a way of escape. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. That God is faithful. Even when we're tempted and it feels like we're in the wrong place, God is faithful and can make a way of escape. And you see, the thing that really thrills me in this little portion of scripture that we read Saul was sending David into the face of the enemy. But God was going to make that to backfire. Do you know that? that you can get off course and find yourself in a place where you wouldn't have chosen and you wonder, how did I get here? Listen, if you trust God and keep your face looking towards him, he'll make it backfire against Satan. Because even though Saul had sent David out to to the backwoods to go and fight the enemy, What did God do? He turned it around so that David began to even become more popular. He began to shine all the more and the people liked him all the more. It just backfired against Saul. And we have an enemy. Satan will. He's very clever. He's a serpent. He's he's full of wickedness and he's clever. But you know what? He's not clever enough for God. And God is working for us at all times. Saul tries to get us Try to get David into the wrong position. Satan will try to get you into the wrong position. But God can change what Satan does in your life for good. And I I quite like the way I wrote this, so I'm going to read it just the way I wrote it. Satan does evil against us. But what Satan means for evil, God can use to, here's the words I wrote, to actually bring God's plan for us to us. Isn't that amazing? That the enemy can get you out of position and you think, how did I get here? How did my life get into this position? What's, what's happened? And all the time when we keep our eyes and faith looking to God and looking up to him, just trusting him, that God can actually bring his plan to us. That we don't even have to go running about looking for it. He can actually bring his plan to us. Jeremiah 29 11. For God says, I know the plan that I have for you, says the Lord. Not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. You see, God's love overcomes. And God has a plan. And God knows everything about your life. And yes, Satan, Saul was scheming against David just the way Satan schemes against us. Let's read the next few bit and see the next bit of scheming that Saul was going to do. Verse 17. Then Saul said to David, here is my older daughter Merab. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against them, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel the Maholothite as a wife. So here you see that Saul was again scheming against David, and this time he was thinking if I offer him my daughter Merab to be his wife, then he'll go out and I'll challenge him. You know, if you go and fight the Philistines and prove that you're a valiant warrior, then you can have my daughter to be wife. Now, this is nearly laughable, isn't it? Had David not already proved himself to be a valiant warrior? had Saul not already said whenever uh, Goliath was coming out every day and raising his hands against God's people had Saul not already said that whoever would whoever would kill or defeat Goliath would have his daughter that was do you remember David asked what's what's the reward and the reward one of the rewards was that whoever slew Goliath was going to have the king's daughter but Saul was a liar and he he reflects how Satan is a liar. He reflects how Satan will promise you all kinds of things, and we need to stop listening to that voice that comes from the enemy. And so David, ins- David would have had every right to say to Saul, "Sure, I've already proved myself. I should already have your daughter." But he shows humility, and so he 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 goes out and he fights, and of course he defeats the Philistines and. Uh, and as he's, as he's waiting and thinking, well, Saul's going to give me his daughter. What does Saul do? He just gives up to somebody else. I'll tell you something, that to live for God and to trust God is the only way to live. Yeah. You don't want to listen to any other voice, whether it's a human voice or an evil voice. You don't want to listen to that voice because there is no way you can put your dependence Upon, on, on that voice that will come to you and tell you, come my way and I'll give you what you want. You need to come to Jesus and you need to trust him because he's the only one who speaks truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He said Satan was a liar from the beginning. Now, if we look down here a little bit further, it says in verse 20, now Michael, Saul's daughter, this is the next daughter in line, she loved David and they told Saul... And the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king is delighted in you and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke those words in the hearing of David, and David said, "Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man?" And the servants of Saul spoke, and the servants of Saul told him, saying, "In this manner David spoke." Then Saul said, "Thus you shall say to David: Now you need to listen to this. The king does not desire any dowry." This is the. Third time that David should have got the bride, should have got one of Saul's daughters. And he's coming now with all this false piety and he's saying, The king does not desire any dowry but just 100 foreskins of the Philistines. Now, I want to tell you, girls, if you think I'm going to start to explain to you what the foreskins <laughs> are, I can tell you right now I have no notion of it. But I was chatting to a friend yesterday, and we were thinking, oh, don't even try to imagine it. (laughs) That's what he wanted. He wanted blood. That's what he wanted. And so you see that he's telling David, if you do that, and it says, so when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Do you see the desire in David to have the bride? Do you see the desire that right from the moment that he was about to go and fight Goliath, it was of interest to David. David was pleased that if he fought Goliath, the the reward was supposed to be he would get the bride. But do you see how Saul kept taking it from him and kept pushing it back? And this is now the third time that Saul has come. And it says it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. David was looking for a bride. Now it says... Now the the days had not expired, therefore David arose and went, and he and his men killed two hundred men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full account to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter-in-law, as wife. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Do you see that David uh, was pleased when he had the offer of Michael to be his bride? It's interesting the word the name Michael means who is like God. And there's a kind of a sense of I wonder you know, we'll be looking at the history of this marriage further down the line, but you know, knowing a little bit about Michael, I kinda wonder, did she love David because of the image that he had publicly? Was that what attracted her to him? Did she love the hero image that David had rather than David himself? But the interesting thing is that Saul wanted to use his daughter as a snare against David. Saul wanted to ensnare David through Michael, his daughter, and it's very interesting, we're going to see in a minute or two, that actually Michael's daughter took David out of the snare. Isn't it amazing how everything just went right for David? He wasn't scheming, David wasn't scheming, he wasn't trying to, what do I do now, how will I with him? He wasn't, he was just loving the Lord he was just entrusting himself to the Lord and you know you and I can get so caught up with what's the enemy doing against us we can get so caught up on well how can I overcome that and, and, and what's happening here and what's happening there do you know what we just need to take a rise all, off all of that stuff and put a eyes in Jesus that's what David did he just left the Lord to sort everything out for him and the Lord did just that and so he ended up Uh, presenting the 200, not 100, but David of course had to double it, he goes 204 skins of the Philistines. And can you imagine Saul's face whenever he's presented with this sacrifice of blood? I want to remind you that you and I are part of the Bride of Christ. And I want to remind you that you have been bought and paid for by a blood sacrifice. Not the blood of foreskins of men, but you know what? You and I have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That He has given His blood to purchase our salvation, to buy us back out of slavery, that we wouldn't have to live a life of enslavement to sin, that we wouldn't have to live a life of fear. Don't you love that song, For I'm no longer a slave to fear? Don't you love it because Jesus has paid the price that you don't have to live in fear. You can live in faith and you can keep your eyes on Jesus and you can trust him for every moment, no matter what dark valley you're going through. No matter what is happening in your life right now that would cause you grave concern or would worry you or bring you anxiety. Listen, you can know the presence of the great shepherd going through that valley with you and you will fear no evil. he is with me and you know what he will take you through i love the fact that he never intends us to stay in the valley he always takes us through the valley whatever you're going through right now and so we we see that that jesus has given his blood for us we are a blood-bought bride but you see saul still had this murderous heart he had tried to ensnare David, he had tried to scheme and manipulate and control and all of those things are the way the enemy works. That's why it's so important that we don't try to control anybody else. That's why it's so important that we reflect the heart of our Saviour, that we set people free. That's why it's so important that we we don't act the way Saul acted. we don't speak against people but that we we set people free and we love them and so we do not want to have a heart like Saul and so as we read on in chapter 19 we see that it looked on the surface that all was well but all was not well because David was growing in in popularity and in wisdom and Saul hated it. Let's just look at chapter 19 verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David saying, my father Saul seeks to kill you, therefore please be on your guard until the morning and stay in a secret place and hide And said, Jonathan, I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because David has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. So Jonathan took his life in his hands. Sorry, for David took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. And Jonathan said to his father, you sought and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Do you see how, uh, John, how Saul had this murder in his heart? Do you know that murder, the seed of murder, is hatred? We're told that in um, 1 John, is it First John 1, 17? Uh, no, First John 3, verse 15. Whoever hates his brother or his sister is a murderer. The seed of murder is hatred. And Saul was absolutely overcome with hatred against David. He was not willing to give his throne over. He was. Saul didn't know how to handle power. Saul didn't know how to be king. God had given him power, but he didn't know how to handle power. He was holding on for grim death. He didn't know that power needs to be released, that power is not about being in control. And you see, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, give us a glimpse as to what real power is like. Because the, love and power, do you know that love cannot be, one person cannot abide alone as an island and know what love is. Love has to be shared. That's why the Godhead is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, because the love flows between the Trinity. And not only love flows, but the power flows. And so power becomes corrupted and it it corrupts people when one person tries to control everyone else. And we've seen it, haven't we? As we look down history, we've seen it in Hitler, we've seen it in other... We see it in our world today even with some of the, the countries in the world where a dictator rises up and he tries to hold on. And that's exactly what Satan wants to be, a dictator. But our God knows how to handle love and power. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the love flows between them. The power flows between them and they set us free. God sets you free. He doesn't try to control you. But he wants you to learn to become more like him and to become full of his love. But all the time Satan was filling Saul's heart with this murderous intent and Satan was actually beginning to control Saul so that Saul started this whispering campaign. Now I want to tell you this. Do you know that Satan whispers? Have you ever heard the whispering campaign? It was going on around the, the palace. Saul was saying to Jonathan you need to be killing David he was saying to servants I want you to kill David and he was bad-mouthing David the whispering campaign had started because Saul still wanted to see David dead and so he was urging Jonathan and the servants to kill this young shepherd boy I've written in your notes how often does the enemy urge us or whisper to us to act in our flesh How often does he plant a negative thought about yourself or about someone else? How often does he suggest that you or I act in a fleshly way towards someone else or towards a situation? Jonathan didn't respond to the whispers of his father. Do you know what he did? He went to David and he brought the truth out into the light. And then he went to his father. He brought David into an open field. And he brought his father into the same open field. And he brought the whole thing into the light to David first and then to his father. He challenged his father soul. Did you notice when I read it there? He said, why are you doing this? He brought it all into the light. And here's what I really wanted to say this morning to all of us. And I said to my own heart, when the enemy comes and he whispers insecurities into your ear, when he whispers hatred or wrong thoughts about your brother or sister, When he even comes and whispers condemnation about yourself, whatever it is that he whispers in your ear, because he will come with lies. And you need to remember, he's the father of lies. So the enemy will come and he will whisper lies into your ear. And when you hear that, the best and first thing you need to do is to bring it into the open. Don't, don't allow it to remain in the dark. Don't listen to that, that voice of condemnation or that voice that is stirring you up to go the wrong way, that voice that appeals to your flesh. Don't listen to it. Bring it into the light. If that means going to someone you really trust who loves the Lord, go and talk to them and bring it into the light and get some prayer for it because God wants you to be delivered. God wants you to act like Jonathan. And Jonathan just defeated that Of the enemy, and when he brought it into the light, Saul said, "Okay, I won't, I won't harm him." And and it almost it it kept it quieting things down for the time. But you know, Satan is relentless, and Saul was pacified for a period. But because and as soon as David was going to start winning victories again, Saul's anger was going to rise up again. I love the fact that Jonathan spoke well of David. You know, Jonathan had every reason to say, well, do you know what, David, you know, he like, he's trying to take over the throne. He's trying to take over my position. Like, Jonathan had every reason to say that, hadn't he? He could have spoken badly about David, but he spoke well of him. And I wonder, do you and I speak well of other people, even people who potentially are greater than we are, people who maybe are going to go further than we are, people maybe who even could, could even take something that we really want away from us. I wonder, I wonder can we still, do we still speak well of them? I think that's so pleasing to God. When we, when we speak well of somebody, even though maybe we could be a little bit jealous, God is so pleased when we do that. God wants us to love each other He wants us to love not just those whom we love, but those even who are our enemies. Matthew 5 and 44 says, Love your enemy, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That's a high call, isn't it? And yet God wants us, because do you know what happens? When we choose to forgive, it doesn't mean we have all fancy feelings of, you know, really love them or anything. It just means we make a choice when we choose to bless someone, do you know what happens? We break something in the enemy's territory. We break through the schemes of the enemy. We've seen here, as we've been looking at Saul, we've seen a schemer. And that's exactly what Satan is. He is a schemer. Doesn't Ephesians 6 tell us that there is such a thing as the schemes or the wiles, some of your Bibles will say, the wiles are the schemes of the devil. He has plans, he has strategies that he wants to act upon in your life and in mine. And you know, Jonathan did what was right. And when David won more battles, sad to say, Saul went back to his old ways. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that when we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. There is something about walking in the light. But here's the thing. Saul still wasn't happy with David. It says uh, in verse 10, Sorry, will back up a little bit. It's verse 8. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. It's interesting, last week we said how so often we see Saul sitting with the spear in his hand. And we see david playing music with his hand you know there's a very clear picture there isn't it are we carrying spears to attack each other attack our brothers and sisters or are we are we worshiping are we, are we playing the music and worshiping god very clear picture of both of these men it says then saul sought to pin david to the wall verse 10 but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove, and Saul drove the, the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Now listen to this: Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told David, saying, "If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed." So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed. This, This just never fails to amaze me. Bring him up to me in the bed. Can you get the picture? So that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, There was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Do you see how she didn't stand up for her husband? Do you see how really her heart was a bit like her father's heart? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. He actually went up to a school of prophets up in Ramah. He was going up to have spend some time with, with Samuel. But here's the picture. Saul, who is a picture of our enemy, is still chasing after David. And this time he's deciding he's going to get him and he's going to get him and kill him in, in his own daughter's house so he sends the servants up and of course by this time david is long gone and his wife michael has put this kind of an image in the bed <coughs> whenever i get up in the mornings i uh, i sleep in the same room as william because he won't stay in his own room so i had to put an extra bed in my room and he sleeps in the bed beside me and there's some, I think there's an inbuilt radar in his head because the minute I get up, he's right up on my heels so uh, what I do in the mornings is I put a big pillow underneath my bedclothes and put this thing all over it and put like, something like a head and all and then I hope whenever he wakes up because the first thing he does when he wakes is just look over to see if I'm in the bed so I know what it's like to put something in the bed so that's what she did so she had put this image, whatever it was, and put the, can you imagine some kind of a wig of, of goat's hair or something? As if it was a hair? So the servants come down, Saul sends the servants, go and get him, because I want to kill him. And when they went in uh, and they saw this thing in the bed, they thought, went back to Saul and they said, well, Michael says he's sick and he's in bed. And Saul is so full of evil intent against David. Now you need to get a picture of this because this is the kind of evil intent that Satan has towards us. Now we're not going to get afraid of that because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But I'm just telling you there is someone who wants to trip you up. There's someone who wants to kill and steal and destroy in your life. And so he sends the servants and the servants arrive in and uh, uh, tell Saul, well he's sick, he's not, he's in bed. And, And Saul says, go and get him in the bed and carry him in the bed up to me. Can you imagine the picture? And so this time the servants go down and they go right into the room and they push past Michael and when they go and pull back, flip me, he's not him at all. She's fool them. And so David is long gone. Don't you see how God gave him wisdom and how the intent of evil was there against him? But here's the thing. David told his servants to watch the house. Did you notice that? I think I read that. He was watching the house. He wanted to get David, and David had long gone. But here's the thing. The enemy watches you, but God watches you as well. Yes. Now, is that not beautiful? Is that not the best news that you could ever hear? Do you know that Psalm 121 says, I look to the hills, from whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. And what kind of a Lord is he? He doesn't slumber nor sleep. Through the night watch, he's right there, looking over you. David was, we would say, in Northern Ireland, he was as safe as houses. God was with him. God was watching over him. Do you know that God is so much greater than the enemy? Do you know that the enemy enemy cannot move? He cannot move unless God allows things to happen. God is almighty, all omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful. God is the one who is controlled. And so it was around this time that David wrote Psalm 59. And if you want to read that over the next few 5 that'll be such a good thing. But here's one of the things he said. Deliver me from my enemies. They lie in wait for my life. At evening they return. But, said David, I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble." See, David knew what it was to experience God rescuing him, being his defence, being the one who sorted stuff out in his life. Do you see David scrambling around and getting all panicky and wondering? No, he just, he goes. If he has to go, he goes. But he doesn't get too excited about it. He is trusting the Lord. And we're going to see as we go on in his life that there were times when he was in desperation and he did act out of turn. But you know what? (coughs) God was still with him and God still, even when we make wrong moves and say things and get things wrong, God still, when we turn to him, he's right there for us, still working for us. And so David took off about 100 miles an hour and headed to Samuel for shelter. And he went to this place called Ramah and the school of the prophets were there. Now, this kind of blows me away, and I know I haven't much time left, but I just want to finish with this. I'm going to just, you can read about it on your own, but I'm going to just tell you what happened. Saul sent messengers to go and get him in Ramah. But you know what happened? Whenever these messengers of Saul would arrive, they'd come down to to Samuel, and Samuel's with his school of prophets, and they're worshiping away, and they're having a great time, and David's having great fellowship with Samuel, and remember, Samuel was the one who anointed them in the first place. And they're having a party down in Ramah. And guess what? These servants of, Paul, of Saul come up, and they're all full, they're ready. Saul's told them go and get him and kill him. And so they come in, and instead of killing Samuel, do you know what happens? They're overcome with God's love, and they start prophesying too. <laughs> they start worshiping. I mean, it's not incredible. And three times he sends different men. And they all come in with evil in their heart. And they're coming in and they're ready to kill him. And they've got the, whatever they have, a knife or a sword or whatever. They were going to do the job because the king had told them to go and do it. And they come in and they're intent. And what happens? They come in and they're overcome with God's love. And they end up worshiping I mean, Isn't it amazing? And eventually Saul gets so exasperated, he comes himself. And Saul's coming and he's determined. I tell you, you're not getting me. And he comes in. And he comes in and the whole worship's going on. And the next thing Saul's overcome. Can you imagine that God can overcome a heart like Saul's? And Saul ends up and he throws the royal robes off him. And he lays down on the ground. And he actually prophesied for day and night. Can you imagine the love of God that constrained him? That was willing to break through all of his anger and hurt. I believe with all my heart that God if Saul had turned around and allowed God's love to fill his heart I believe with all my heart that God would have just worked with him if he'd only, if he'd only bowed the knee to God and said here I'll give my, I'll give my garments my royal garments to David I'll, I'll allow David to be I'll, I'll give the kingdom over Lord you're in charge I'll give the kingdom to David if he'd come into agreement with God at that point things could have been so different such a gracious God. Imagine that he overcame the wickedness that was in Saul's heart. I'll tell you if he can do that for a man like Saul, he can overcome us by his love and his grace and his goodness. And see this morning, whatever you're going through, God wants you to know that he is so much greater. Do you need, you need to know that God loves you and relentlessly pursues you. Psalm 139, David wrote this psalm and it says in verse 7 to 8, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. This is a love that follows you. This is a love that pursues you and holds onto you. You cannot get away from God's love. David proved that in all the different Times in his life when he was going through such pain and such fearful circumstances and through God's love you need to know today that through God's love that you are already an overcomer you need to receive that go and write that down somewhere where you can keep looking at it you are an overcomer Jesus said in John 16 that yes you will have tribulation in the world but be of good cheer I have overcome the world and in Christ, you are an overcomer. Amen. Romans 8, 29 to 36, it says, If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Do you know that Jesus is making intercession for you even now? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creative thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have everything we need to get through this life. With all the turmoil, with all the confusion, with all the strategies of the enemy, the one who lives in us has already defeated Satan. We are already overcomers. We belong to Christ. And God has plans for us to walk in. And you know what? We need to keep our face looking into his face. We need to keep our eyes looking into the eyes of Jesus. And we need to see his love and live in his love and overcome through the love of Christ because I'll tell you when he died on that cross and rose again he defeated the enemy the job is done the giant is dead it's time for us to go and live in the power of the resurrected life we have a Savior who is sitting in glory at God's right hand and do you know what girls he's praying for us and he's given us his impartation of his life and he's giving us his strength and his power to live this life for his glory. That is amazing. As they would say, it's amazing. Let's receive it in Jesus' name. We're going to stand and we're going to try and sing this song because I think it's so important. I believe many of you are waiting for God to do stuff that he's promised you and i believe that god is going to move in your lives as you wait on him jerry just after sharing with me just how that verse had struck her and it had struck me as well and i'm going to read it to you sing praise my soul do you know your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions and those are things that get to us our soul we need to speak to our soul Speak to our mind and our will and our emotions. Sing, praise, my soul. Find strength in joy. Let his words lead you on. It's God's word that gives you the joy and leads you on. Let it sink in. Over the next couple of weeks, why don't you go through these verses? Why don't you pray over them? Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you what they mean to you look up some of the Psalms, the promises that God gave to David, and how he held on to those Psalms and those promises in times of difficulty. Let his words lead you on. Do not forget his great faithfulness. Remember, he is faithful and true. That is part of who he is. That is his name. He is the faithful one, the one who is faithful and true. Do not forget his great faithfulness. He'll finish all that he has begun. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Hold on to him. He's in the waiting. Sometimes we think the waiting is the time that we just, it's the time when nothing happens. Waiting is the time that God does something in you that is so important. That's why he waits. Don't miss what God wants to do in you so that it can work out through you, whenever the waiting time is over. Let him be with you in this waiting time. God loves you all so much. He wants to fulfill every promise that you're holding on to, and he will, because he's a faithful God. Bless you, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. In Jesus' name, amen.